to the Will to Win, where emerging entrepreneurs come to learn the best tips, strategies, and techniques to unlock their potential and become more successful. I'm your host, Steve Scarney, and each week I will bring on the most incredible guests who are going to share their own unique stories, knowledge, wisdom, and insights about how they've been able to close the gap between failure and success, and then go on to live a life of greatness. Here at The Will to Win, we are dedicated to educating and inspiring you to be able to maximize your potential and make what seems impossible totally possible. Welcome to the Will to Win show, the eighth episode, and it's Thank a, you. no problem. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. And today we're going to be talking about creating a bulletproof mindset, something that I'm really interested in. A whole lot of other stuff you'll be talking about, like purpose. Uh, then we've also got let's have a look here: discipline, self-love, alchemy, sub-personalities. So many things. So let's uh, get started. And before we do delve into things, you're basically featured by outlets like Business Insider, Yahoo, News in New York Weekly, and you're a mindset expert, renowned for coaching thousands globally via keynotes and life and business programs. Amazing. So when it comes to mastering your mindset and being resilient and being bulletproof, yep. like what is one of your key steps or processes that you teach people to to be able to create that? Yeah. So first of all, um, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an absolute honor. I really respect your dedication, your consistency to building a brand. You've done really, really well so far. And I'm always admiring from you from from, from afar. So um, it's a massive honor to be on this show. So thank you for having me. Um, now, the next thing I'm going to say on this topic, which is, you know, what are some of the core components to actually build a bulletproof mindset? I don't really think it's just one thing. I think it is a multifaceted system. And my personal system that I've seen is that it is a 10-year journey that's taken me to discover four things that help people build a bulletproof mindset. (laughs) Number one, it is getting super clear on your purpose and why you actually exist. Anyone that I've looked at in my life and I've been able to look up to them, respect them, and to be able to say that that person is effective, that person is doing great things, that's because that person is very clear on what they value and they put everything into that area. So the first thing is purpose. They, they're very clear on what their values are. Number two, I would say it is discipline. And discipline is the ability to follow through on the things that you say, right? Um, you know, back in the day, people would rather fall on their sword and die and kill themselves than go back on their words. Mm. But in this day and age, we go back on our word, you know, for everything. Oh, I'll do this tomorrow. I'll do this later. I'll start this diet next year. And we never do it. And we constantly lose trust with ourselves by doing that again and again. So being able to follow through on our word is the art of building discipline. The third thing is self-love. The reality is that we all experience fear. We all experience trauma in our past. And sometimes what happens is we, um, when we experience those things, 
we as a human being, we have different parts of ourselves and we end up judging one part of ourselves and respecting one part of ourselves, but that's not truly loving yourself. How can you want to get rid of half of yourself and want to love yourself? You can't. You have to be able to learn all of yourself. And mm. doing that is the thing that gives joy, that gives a, a like a sense of peace within yourself and a sense that you are safe within your own skin. That's self-love. And the last thing to be bulletproof is alchemy, the ability to turn what is bad, what is an obstacle, what is a challenge into something that actually serves you, right? So if I was to summarize, how do you actually be bulletproof? It's not one thing. It's four things. It's purpose. It's discipline. It's self-love. And it's alchemy. Wow. So there are many elements or four key elements that you shared. And uh, yeah, I guess each one sort of plays its part and you spoke just then about commitment this is a challenge that we all face uh, when we're striving to succeed in life or business is being consistent and staying committed what are some things that you would advise your students and clients about how to how to do that so i guess what you're asking if i'm hearing it right is that um, you know, everyone struggles with their ability to follow through on something. Um, and your question is kind of like, what would I suggest for someone who's struggling to follow through or to help them follow through? Is that right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. So maybe they're procrastinating and they just can't seem to find that motivation. Or maybe they've gone through a crisis or something's happened and they've lost hope. Like, how do, you, yeah. how do they get back into that uh, bulletproof mindset? Yeah, awesome. So this is a great question that's going to kind of get me to explain a couple of things. Number one, we all as human beings, we live with a certain set of values, priorities that are the most important to us, right? I want you to imagine everyone who's listening, there's like a ladder uh, of, of areas that are most important to us. For me, it's business, it's personal development, it's health and fitness. Um, and, you know, those are my areas that are high all the way down to things that are less valuable to us and uh, we are less interested in and we are less uh, inspired by. Here's the thing. We all have a value letter. Everyone has different things they value. Everyone has different things they don't value. As you go up that list and you do things in those areas, you are naturally more inspired. You naturally procrastinate less. You are naturally more consistent. You are naturally more disciplined. See, I need a lot of you know, help with procrastination when it comes to cleaning something, right? Mm-hmm. My wife asked me to clean. I'm like, oh, babe, I can't do it. I've got stuff on. Um, I'm always t- saying things like I should. I'll get around to it. I'll do it next time. But when it comes to business or when it comes to personal development, I have no problem focusing. I have no problem being disciplined. I have no problem being consistent. So the first thing that I recommend to anybody is instead of thinking to yourself, oh, man, I need to be more committed or I need to stop procrastinating, find the area that you naturally procrastinate less and put more effort into that area, right? Now, not only does that uh, make it a lot easier for you to be inspired and, you know, put more energy into the area, what it also does is it puts you in a state where it actually makes you feel energized, it makes you feel fulfilled, hmm. it, makes, it, it, it raises your self-esteem, and from that place, it's so much easier to do something else. As an example, for me, when I have a day, when I am doing things that have got nothing to do with my highest values, nothing to do with business, nothing to do with personal development, nothing to do with um, health and fitness, and I'm doing anything else other than those things, 
I feel really burnt out. I feel really unfulfilled. I feel really de-energized. And from that place, it's so hard to have motivation to do anything. But if I have a day filled with business, filled with personal development, filled with health and fitness, I feel energized. I feel fulfilled. I feel authentic. I feel inspired, right? And from that place, it's so much easier to do the things um, that, that I don't want to do, right? And I'm sure you're like that as well, Steve. My understanding would be you love content production. You love creating content. In those areas, you don't need any motivation, do you? Like Not if, at all. If there's other areas that you don't, you need motivation in. But it's like if you're doing things in these areas, you're naturally more inspired. You're naturally more creative. There's a natural flow of your inspiration coming out. So my suggestion to anybody who's listening is yes, there are definitely things that sometimes you don't want to do that you're going to have to do, but make sure you are starting putting effort into the areas that you are naturally inspired by. Hope that was valuable. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, you're so right. It's, it's neat when you focus on the things that inspire you, your highest values, you are more inclined to do the less desirable things because yep. you've been, you've been re-energized. And it's it's yep. sort of it balances out balances it out, uh, and yeah, yep. such a great insight. And I know um, we we obviously are talking here about being committed and balancing things out, and being able to you know stay motivated. So we've got obviously other topics we want to delve into. So you talk sure a lot about uh, authenticity. And, yes, you know, people trust you more when you come across as trustworthy, when you're honest, when you're genuine in your approach. What are some things that you teach uh, in terms of being able to be more authentic? And I know First of all, man, this is such a great question. First of all, what I want to share is why it's actually important to be authentic. And the simple thing that I'm going to share with you, I'm actually writing a book on it. So it's really oh, wow. funny you asked me about That's it. That's insane. A book on authenticity. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like it is one of the central topics that if people can understand and people can apply and people can implement their health, their mindset, their relationships, their finances, all areas will be improved. And instead of really explaining it um, theoretically, what I'd love to do is actually give a couple of examples, right? Now, there's many different ways of looking at authenticity. Um, I'm going to start with sharing with you a way of uh, explaining authenticity when you're confronting someone. We all have been in a situation where you might have to confront someone. You might have to have a tough conversation, right? And I remember one of my clients. Um, you know, she uh, was she 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 was at the shopping center one day. She had her mum with her, and she had her son with her. And her mum was treating her like a kid, despite her being a mother. And her mum literally was just like, I'm just going to call her Sarah. She was like, Sarah, come here. Go here. Now, mind you, Sarah was a 50-year-old woman being treated by her mother like as if she was a child. Okay? So in that situation, guys, here's where it's really important. We have three responses that we can provide. And I'm going to tell you which one she did. One is she could. Um, be above what she is, looking down at her mum and replied to her from a very douchebag energy, going off at her, getting irritated with her, getting angry at her, being passive aggressive with her, being resentful towards her. She could uh, put herself above what she is and look down on her. That's being a douchebag. Or she could be a doormat. 
where she is putting herself below what she really is and letting her mom have her way and be like, okay, mom, I'll do what you want to do. Now, here's the interesting thing. Whenever you're being a douchebag and exaggerating yourself and looking down at someone, or whether you are being a doormat and letting someone else have their way, both things are not authentic. Authenticity is not when you're being a douchebag. It's not when you're being a doormat. It's when you're coming from the middle. And here's what it looks like. You know, Sarah could have responded to her mum saying, screw you, mum. Who do you think you are? And that is from the ego. And the ego always triggers the other ego. She could have also been a doormat. Hey, mum, it's okay. I'll let you do what you want to do. But no, there was a response that's in the middle. And that's where you come from your heart. That's from authenticity. Mm. And that's where she said, mum, I love you, but I really don't appreciate when you talk to me that way. And if you're going to have to talk to me that way, I'm going to have to head home. And that pierced through mm. the conversation, that authenticity, that, that sincereness through the heart. It wasn't weak, okay? It was firm, but it was loving. And when she came from that place, from that place of authenticity, she got through to her mum and she was able to kind of overcome the situation. That is being authentic. Not when you're being a douchebag, not when you're being a doormat, but when you are right in between. Now, another example when it comes to authenticity is, you know, have you ever had a, a, a situation, Steve, where you're in the middle of an argument and you keep arguing, but you know you're wrong? Uh I believe so. <laughs> yeah, I think we all have, right? It's in that situation where you're arguing and you know you're wrong. And what you're doing is you're going into pride. You're you're like by arguing when you know you're wrong, right? You're kind of pretending like you know more than what you do. So what you do is you go into pride. And you have a little voice that goes, Shut up. Give it up. You know, you know you don't know about this topic. Just be quiet. Just let it go. And you have a little voice that comes down. Equally, when you're in shame and you're beating yourself up and you're telling yourself, oh, my, after a failure, oh, my God, I can't do this. I suck. You also have a voice that's bringing you up that goes, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Mm. Both of those are your intuition that's guiding you back into middle to be authentic. Whenever you exaggerate yourself above what you are, you have a little voice that brings you into the middle. Whenever you beat yourself up and you tell yourself that something is wrong with you, you have a little voice that brings you up. Both of those are trying to guide you to be as authentic as you possibly can. Is that making sense? Mm. Anytime you go into pride, you have a little voice that goes, get off your high horse. Anytime you go into shame, you have a little voice that goes, you're better than this. And it's trying to keep you centered. That's what it's trying to do. That's the whole game. It's trying to keep you as authentic as you possibly can. Even think about Nick Kyrgios, the tennis player, when he's playing tennis, right? What happens is he's playing tennis. He plays a couple of shots. Now he starts getting cocky. As soon as he gets cocky, what happens then? Pride comes before the fall. And this is where he starts making mistakes. But all of a sudden, when he gave a speech and he was talking about how no one loves him and no one appreciates him, now the whole world wants to lift him up and be on his side. Mm. So the whole game, or the universe, or God, is trying to keep you as authentic as you possibly can. Anytime you go into pride, you'll experience a consequence. Anytime you go into shame, you'll experience a consequence. The whole game is trying to keep you in the middle, as centered and as authentic as you possibly can. Does that make sense? Absolutely. What a great story. Yeah. Both those stories. So thank you yeah. so much. That's really relatable. And I'm sure. And, this- and, and Steve, can I give another example? This is a recent example that I came across. Is, go for it. You know, the last three months, um, I've been doing jujitsu. Right, I've just started, you know, a martial arts. I, I was I love watching it. the video. 
Yeah, yeah. So this is a, I think this is a great example, right? Where pretty much what happened was they started jujitsu, and um, the next belt up because I'm a white belt, I'm, I'm a beginner. The next belt up is a blue belt. But unlike other martial arts, a blue belt is very, very hard to get. In other martial arts, it takes like six months. In in jujitsu, it takes two years, right? So as soon as I came in, I was like, okay, I've got to get my blue belt. Got to get my blue belt. But mind you, I came in initially because I wanted to master jujitsu. And I remember watching a video by a top jujitsu expert who said, if you want to succeed, stop chasing the belt. Stop trying to get the belt because the belt is all about, you know, the respect that you're going to get when everyone looks at you as a blue belt. The belt is all about the reputation. The belt is all about the looks, right? Instead of having the pressure of needing to get the belt, just focus on mastering your art one step at a time. And when you do that, the paradox is you'll master and you'll get your belt much quicker. Now, mind you, he's someone who got to a brown belt in two to three years, which is almost unheard of. Right. So this is someone who has really lived this principle and has really succeeded with this principle. And he's telling us to stop chasing the belt. And here's why that's interesting, because the reality is I told myself I'm coming here to master jujitsu. But all of a sudden I started focusing on getting the belt. But the belt is not about mastering jiu-jitsu. The belt is about the reputation. The belt is about how I look. The belt is about me being a show off and me feeling good that I just got a belt. So this is where authenticity comes in. While I'm so focused on getting the belt, it's easy for me to skip moves. It's easy for me to not practice the fundamentals because I'm trying to skip ahead. It's easy for me to have so much pressure and not really think about and be present when I'm really learning jujitsu, right? But when I focus on just going, you know what, I don't care about the pressure. I don't care about getting the belts. I'm just going to focus on jujitsu. It's so much easier to master. And here's the thing I'm trying to say. When I came in there and I was chasing the belt, that's not being me being real. Because if I was being honest with myself, then I would want to master jujitsu regardless of whatever belt I get. So this is another reason where when you become inauthentic and you try to please other people, you try to do this for the accolades, you try to do this for the accomplishments, it actually takes a detour and it takes, it takes a longer time to get to success. And here's another way how authenticity comes into the picture. Because when you're authentic and you're really trying to master something, you have the quickest road possible to the mastery. But when you lie to yourself and you want to do it for the accolades, then you're being inauthentic and it takes you a longer time to master something. Three, three really great and profound examples. Thanks so much, Kevin. And now that we've sort of delved quite deep into authenticity, maybe we might branch off to uh, self-love. So you do talk a lot about learning to love yourself and accept all the parts of yourself and be the, a true expression of yourself. So what are some principles uh, that you could sort of share with us about be, being able to accept ourselves, to love ourselves and not be putting ourselves down all the time? Mm, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to understand that we as human beings, one of the main challenges in the psychological world, in the personal development world, is we often see ourselves as just one mind. You know, my mind is talking. This is my mind. Um, but the reality is um, that is not the reality. 
that the mind is not just one mind, but it is broken up into parts. And a quick example of that is, Steve, I'm sure you've had examples where, you know, a part of you wants to have a salad, but another part of you wants to eat the donut. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> a part of you wants to get a lot of work done, but a part of you wants to procrastinate and be lazy. Right? Yeah. And and when first of all, when you look at the mind in parts, then it makes so much sense. If you know, so many people do things that conflict with what they want and they wonder why. But if you understand that we as human beings have different parts of us that have different agendas, different memories, different emotions, then like a lot of our challenges make a whole lot more sense. Now, first of all, that concept is very demonized because in Hollywood, um, you know, having multiple parts is like known as like a mental, uh, you, you know, it's almost like you should belong in a mental asylum if you have different parts. But if you look at the reality of it, we're always talking to ourselves. Who are you talking to, right? We all have different parts. We've all had situations where we've said something to someone that we couldn't believe we said. Another part of us is like, why did you say that? And when we're on the way back, we're just like trying to justify it to ourselves. That's a whole conversation conversation going on different between different parts. So the first thing I want to establish is that as human beings, we have a mind that is broken up into different parts. Now, coming back to your question of how do you actually love yourself? Well, one of the things I'll say is I want to talk about what is the antithesis of self-love is self-judgment. It's when you look at another part of yourself and you go, I don't like that about me. I don't like that, uh, that, I, that I was rude to that person. You know, I don't like that I was... Um, I don't like that I took advantage of this person. I don't like that I lied about this. I don't like that I just want to relax and chill. Now, when you're saying I don't like another part of myself, what you're doing is you're judging yourself. Okay? And when you're judging yourself, that's the antithesis of self-love. Because you're pretty much saying my love is for you, myself, is, un is conditional. I'll only love you if you act right. I'll only love you if you stop procrastinating. I will only love you if you do what I want you to do, right? And by the way, I'm talking to myself here, considering that we are talking in parts. So when now when you're being conditional to yourself and you're saying that I'm only going to love myself when this happens or when this happens, you're not really loving yourself. Remember, when a baby is born, we have unconditional love for the baby, right? No matter what the baby does, it could, it could crap, it could poo, it could, um, it could yell, it could cry, it could waste everyone's time. And everyone still has unconditional love for the baby. But as you grow older, obviously, you know, you have the baby has to do certain things so that we respect and we give that love, validation and respect. But in the same way, the reality is that we as human beings, we have many different reasons for what we do. A part of you that's being rude to someone is probably trying to protect you, trying to stand up for you. And it's important to respect that about yourself and to realize that another part of you has positive intent. But when we realize that, you know what? That part of me that was rude to that person, before I put that part down, but I respect that part because it tried to stand up for me. And I know that even though it started a big fight, I, I realize it's positive intent and I appreciate that it did its best to protect me. And when we look at another part of ourselves, and instead of demonizing that part, we respect it and we admire it and we, we, we acknowledge that it's been trying to help us and trying to protect us, all of a sudden, you experience self-love. And if anyone wants to experience self-love, the best way that you can do do it is to look at the things that you don't probably like about yourself. Look at the things that you demonize about yourself. Look at the things that you try to avoid and try to come from a very curious perspective. Try to understand why it did that, and you'll find it has a positive intent.
It's trying to protect you. It's trying to avoid fear. It's trying to avoid certain situations that it was afraid of in the past. So when we take that judgment that we have and we now start appreciating and, and, and giving compassion to ourselves, to the other parts of us, then all of a sudden you'll experience more self-love. And when you do that, you experience the true self. The true self is a, a part of you that's not even a part of you. It is just the real you. And the true self is the part of you that that um, it has compassion, it has confidence, it has humor, um, it is just calm, it is centered, it is grounded, and we all have experienced moments where that self turns up. And if you want to experience that self more, realize the parts that you have demonized or judged and start to give them compassion instead of demonizing them. Wow, such a, a great response there. Kevin, love it. And yeah, this this whole idea of just acknowledging all our parts and being able to not be sort of emotionally affected, but be able to stay positive and be able to just enjoy life and be who you truly want to be without the burden of, you know, what other people think and so on. So we'll go on into the next question which I am yeah. just trying to decide on. Oh, good. Um, you know, you do talk a lot about being able to remain calm and not allow things outside your control to affect you. And when you have like a major crisis or it could be a relationship breakup, it could be you lose your job, it could be that you're running out of money and you don't know what to do, um, you could lose your house, like, how do people, you know, manage in really extreme situations to be able to, you know, stay calm and collected? Well, yeah. So how do you stay calm and collected through a crisis? And I would say this is probably one of my favorite topics. Um, and this is where this is the section of mindset that I would actually call alchemy, which is your ability to look at a situation, no matter how bad it is, and see how it somehow it serves you. Right. Like a perfect example I can give of this situation is when uh, a couple of years ago, uh, me and my wife, we and my kids, we went overseas to New Caledonia. We went for a holiday. We were really excited about it. Uh, we were looking forward to it because it'd been a tough year. And this was, you know, we we're going, you know, during the festive period, during Christmas, during New Year. So we we're really excited about this trip. As soon as we got there, um, we did the COVID test and I came up positive. No. And yeah. Now, that meant that for 21 days, I'll be locked in a room by myself um, without being able to see my family on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and a lot yeah. more after that. So when my followers and my fans heard of this, they, they looked at me and they just go, Kevin, oh my God, that's the worst situation that's ever happened to you. We feel so sorry. And I said, don't feel sorry for me because this is actually – the best situation that's ever, ever happened to me. And the reason why was because I, for five minutes, for 10 minutes, I decided, okay, this situation sucks. Okay, I get it. It sucks. But now, if I want to make the most of these 21 days, I have to shift into a different mindset. So I asked myself a very simple question. How is this situation serving me? And all of a sudden, I realized, all of a sudden now, I don't have kids. 
I don't have to worry about kids. <laughs> I have a laptop. I have aircon. Food gets brought to me. I have no distractions. And now I can take this time. And I remember during that time, there was a, a project that I was procrastinating on for eight months. I got done in one week. Right. Wow. Um, I got time to do my own personal development. I got time to do my own self-reflection. That was probably some of the greatest, you know, moments of my life was in that room where I really just got time to be Zen and to kind of like hibernate in my proverbial cave and just kind of like do a lot of personal development. And it Amazing. was one of the best experiences of my life. And 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 isn't that funny that that people can look at one situation and say it's the worst thing ever. But someone else can look at the situation and say it's the best thing ever. And the only thing that makes the difference is the question that they choose to ask. And I chose to ask myself a different question, which is how does this situation serve me? And your ability to be able to see how the worst thing was actually the best thing that ever happened to you is the whole game of being able to be resilient. It's the whole game of being able to overcome suffering, right? Because – there are three stages of the way people as human beings respond to suffering. Number one is rejection. Oh my God, I hate COVID. It sucks. It killed my life. Number two is toleration, which is where most people are. Okay, COVID was bad, but I guess it brought some good. There was some benefits out of it. But the third and final stage is love. I love COVID because it forced me to take my business online. It forced me to look at other streams of income. It forced me to become hungry about my own personal development. It forced me to spend more time with my family and look at the important things that I was missing. And the only difference between the levels is how many benefits that you see. And the more benefits that you see of how the negative situation is serving you is how resilient you're going to be. And that is something that you can practice by asking that one question and repeating the answers again and again and again. How does this serve me? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, my mentor, D. Martini, says, you know, your ability to not see the situation uh, in the way, but on the way, is your ability to be resilient. Right. And ultimately, the reality is when a situation hits us, that's reality. You can't resist it. You know, Byron Katie says, you know, you can argue with reality and you'll be wrong, but only 100% of the time. Right. So your ability to look at the reality and see how it's benefiting you, see how it's serving you, is your ability to be able to take the situation and use it as fuel so you can move forward and do great things with your life. Because the reality, some people think that, you know, on your way to achieving your goals and dreams, obstacles come and you just got to go handle the obstacle and then come back to the path as if it's some sort of detour that you just have to get out of the way to come back. No, 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 no. The obstacle is the way. It's like our obstacles, our challenges, our suffering is the way because that's what builds our character. That's what helps us to become the person that we need to be to go and achieve our dreams. You know, last thing I'll say on this is Alex Hormozy, one of my mentors, he has a really great um, kind of uh, talk that he gave where he was pretty much sharing that everybody wants the traits of strength. They want the traits of perseverance. But if you look at the person who has those two traits of strength and perseverance, they probably wouldn't have a very chill life, probably would have gone through some stuff. They probably would have uh, faced blood, sweat and tears. And it's like we want these traits of strength and perseverance, but we don't want the price tag that is attached to it. And like when you're able to see that the traits that you want, the person that you want, the character that you want is only going to be built by suffering – that it's so much easier in the midst of suffering to look at a situation, no matter how bad it is, mm. and to see how it's serving us because it always is. 
Definitely. But the more that we see that, the more resilient we're going to be. Wow, it's like a bird's eye view. You see the bigger picture and then you yep. don't take things as seriously. Like, hey, I can handle this. I've got this. Yeah. There's yep. nothing I can't absolutely. do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dude, like uh, like a couple of months ago, I had one of those weeks from hell where all the bills came in at the same time. I had a lot of expenditure out of my business at the same time and everything happened in one week. And it was one of the weeks where I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, so much tax, so many bills, so many this, so much that. And I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, I hate the fact that this is the way it is. And I asked myself mm. the question, how is the fact, how is this financial stress, how is it serving me? And all of a sudden, I realized that during this time, I was being very complacent with my finances because you know I was earning a certain degree of money and I was getting very lazy with it. It forced me to increase my drive. It forced me to think more about and think more hungrier uh, to make more money. It forced me to actually look at my finances. It forced me to start planning more on my finances. It forced me to get hungrier to make so much money that the bills don't even affect me. And when I was be able to now, when I looked at the situation, I recognize how um, this massive expenditure month was actually benefiting me. Now wow. I went from oh my god, I hate this to oh my god, this is perfect. This is helping me. And it's like, tell me. How can you not be bulletproof if you have that type of mindset? And it all starts with that one question. How does this benefit me? That's it. I mean, your golden questions, how does this serve me? Yeah. And then how does this benefit me? And just imagine if all your students and, and clients were able to apply that right from the get-go and yeah. look at the blessings, look at the opportunities, uh, yeah. the potential for new doors to open. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, bro. And look, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it's not easy, right? It's not easy in the midst of you know someone betraying you, in the midst of your boss putting you down, in the midst of public humiliation, in the midst of financial stress, in the midst of relationship stress, in the midst of sickness that happens. It's very difficult to look at the situation and immediately ask yourself that question. And that's why I share that we're human beings. So the reality is there's going to be a, sh a moment of shock from whatever situation that we have, right? And there's going to be a moment of suffering. But the only difference is I don't choose to stay there. I go, okay, this sucks. This happened. Do I need experience? Do I need to feel this more? Okay, no. Do I need to move on from this? Okay, how does it serve me? Right? And it's a practice. It's like I've practiced this so many times now that no matter what happens, if my car breaks down, I can instantly see the benefits. I'm so good at doing it now. I train my brain to see the benefits. If I, I go and break my car somewhere, it's going to force me to become so much more safer on the road. Imagine how much happier my wife is going to be if I'm so much more safer on the road. It's going to force me to be more driven to not touch my phone while I'm on the road. It's going to force me to value my car and to not spend so much money in general. I easily am able to come up with the benefits. So in the beginning, it is a practice. It is tough for some people. But once you practice and once you get good at it, you can really shift the way that you think and the way you respond to our suffering. Absolutely. And I know for me, a couple of days ago, I actually had something happen to my tire. My, so I was driving along. I stopped the shops and basically I realized it was like a screw in my one of my front right, right tires of my car. Oh, like, no. Holy crap, what am I going to do? So I literally just drove straight to Goodyear Auto Care and 
got him to replace the tire. I was like, I was straight, I was straight away focused on the solution. Um, what am I going to do about this? Oh, not poor me. Why does this happen to me? I don't deserve this. No, it's like, all right, shit. Yeah. You know, problems come up unexpectedly, and I'm going to focus on the solution. I'm going to get this sorted, and it was done within a, it was sorted within a couple of hours. So, so, so Steve, like, I, 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 what I see is that that's definitely a really powerful mindset to have, which is that something happens, and immediately you think, what's the solution? And you immediately think on fixing it, right? And the challenge is, and sometimes we can all, we've all had moments like that, but the challenge is when we can't immediately transition from the problem mindset into the solution mindset. And that's we stay it. fixated, like you said, on the problem and end up being a victim to it. And that really all it does is just delay our ability to solve the problem and to go into solution mode. So for us to bridge that gap, because some things are intense, some things really are unfortunate. For us to bridge that gap from problem into solution, always ask yourself, how is it serving me? See how it's serving you. See how it's actually becoming uh, fuel for you. See how it's teaching you lessons, see how it's making you wiser, see how it's giving you certain opportunities, see how it's giving you new drive, see how it's giving you an opportunity to practice perseverance. And when you see all the benefits, it's so much easier to shift from problem into solution. Absolutely. And um, I couldn't agree more. And some people say, you know, you should just laugh at your problems. <laughs> Sometimes I do, not all the time, but if you can laugh at your problems as well, that that makes it sort of takes away the stress as well. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's like a master level. <laughs> yes, that's what I was, I was sort of yeah leaning towards. So yeah, I mean, there has been some times where I think things have just been so intense and like so unexpected that I just sit there and I go, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening, you know? Yeah, and uh, I yeah, I think it takes a real. Um, powerful personality to sit back and to laugh at your problems it's not always going to happen i have done it here and there but um yeah i think it just shows that you know life is not so serious that's it that's it i mean it, it is and it isn't isn't it it's like life is very serious but on one hand it is totally a joke it's switching between those two paradigms that's right what dualities <laughs> dualities yeah <laughs> um so yeah, it's great responses, and we're—I think we're on a roll with this um, podcast episode. So much gold, um, no problem. So we sort of wanted to talk about um, productivity, as that's another area that you sort of talk a lot about. And yep. it's actually one of the first videos I watched of you on Instagram. I'm like, who is this guy? Wow, this is incredible. Love it, and. Yeah, you, you really have some really great strategies and tips for productivity. So feel free to share maybe some of your core teachings you teach your students. Yeah, yeah, sure. So when it comes to productivity, I will say there's different elements of productivity. There is definitely uh, your ability to be really efficient with your time. Uh, there is your ability to actually follow through on things. Um, and then there is also uh, follow through on things and be really efficient with your time and whatever. And then also your ability to actually just focus. Okay. Mm. Now, what I've discovered is the biggest problem that people have is not not so much their time efficiency. It's really just their ability to follow through. Because what I've discovered is we've all been in times in our life where we're just on a roll. And we're just following through on things. And the momentum from that helps us get most of what we need to get done. 
right? So I wouldn't say the the main challenge isn't efficiency of being able to prioritize our tasks perfectly. I would say the main problem we all as human beings have is our ability to actually follow through on things. And one really practical step that I give is behind the principle of um, following through. Think about this for a second. Think about if you gave yourself, you know, five tasks to do this week. And think about if uh, you failed to do all of them and you're you're on Friday and you failed to do all these tasks. What you'll find is anything else that you put in front of yourself that day to do, you will really struggle to do mm. because you haven't followed through. Whereas on the week that you've told yourself you're going to do a bunch of things and you actually followed through on four out of five things, you'll notice your ability to follow through on anything else that you put in front of yourself will be so much higher. So what I've actually done is I've taken that concept and I've turned it into a little game. And that's why what I do now is I actually give myself mini challenges and I've always got challenges running. Right now I use a streak. I use an app called Streaks. And oh, there like it is. This. You can get it on. You can get it on iPhone. And pretty much what I do is I have given myself these tasks that I do every single day that are repeatable tasks. And I ask myself this question: What six things do I need to do every single day that will help me build my business? That will help me build my mind? That will help me keep my business together? That will help me uh, make sure my relationship is on point? So I gave myself mm-hmm. six things. One is post on TikTok. One is um, do a, a meditation method. One is complete all my three daily goals for the day. One is reply to everyone. So I've got six things. And all I do is I program on the, this on this app and I just tick them off as they're done. And nice. what happens is now when I've got a little, you could say, a system to track my habits, it makes it fun to track. It, it's so much easier to stay consistent. And when you're on a streak of like seven days, you don't want to screw up. Right. So it helps you stay consistent. And the point I'm making is the momentum that this gives me helps me follow through on everything else in my life during that week. I noticed that when I'm being consistent with this, for me in my head, it's just like, okay, I'm following through. And that momentum that it gives me really helps me follow through on anything else in my life during that week. So my ultimate hack when it comes to productivity is give yourself four to six things. Chuck it on a habit tracker, stay consistent with them, and watch your ability to follow through on that overflow into other areas as well. And that'll to keep you productive. Because as we know now, as I explained in the beginning, it's less about being efficient, it's more about following through, because that's the problem we all have. So true. What a great response. Couldn't agree more. That one as well. Yeah. And we're sort of coming to an end of the uh, episode and it's it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on the show i i just steve no worries kevin (laughs) like i have just taken so much wisdom um well got so much wisdom from this like it's (laughs) since um so yeah it's i really appreciate you taking the time uh your valuable time to be on the show my pleasure so Before we go, feel free to just share uh, where people can connect with you if they want to reach out and find out more about you. Sure. Um, So people can easily go to Kevin Paul Raj uh, Coaching and find me on Instagram. 
Otherwise, you could go to my website, kevinporridge.com, and if you need some help with anything, you can book in a call and we can chat there. Uh, but otherwise, get me on Instagram, get me on TikTok. Uh, if you jump, jump on Instagram and find me, you should be able to find any one of my links anyway. Thank you for listening to The Will to Win. I hope today's episode was overflowing with value and helped inspire you to make what seems impossible totally possible. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. And if you got value from this episode, it would make such a huge difference if you could just take one minute of your time to leave me a five-star rating and review, then screenshot this episode, share it on your story, and tag me in. And until next time, don't forget to remember that nothing is impossible.